My name is Enrique Robles. I'm the District Director for the Office of Congresswoman Judy Chu. It's so important to really know what's going on, especially here in the San Gabriel Valley, in terms of what we're going to be seeing in the future uh, for workforce. So we need to be prepared at the, the federal and state level to know what policies we should be putting in place. So an event like this really helps us out in terms of creating policy that will really help um, our future workforce. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. We pick back up with this deep dive discussion between Maria Salinas, President and CEO of the Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce, and Shanu Weber, Vice Chancellor of Economic and Workforce Development of California Community College's Chancellor's Office, with Salvatrice's pending question about how we bridge the divide between industry and education in the second half of this conversation about the future of work. Let's jump in. So I think the question comes now is how do we bridge that divide, right? Like how do we bridge that divide between industry and us? Is it more conversation? Is it making some radical changes? If so, what are those radical changes? Let's explore that just a little bit. And do we see any other models out there that work in other states that we're seeing that perhaps we can tap into? From my perspective, I think what's important is the collaboration that needs to happen, a stronger collaboration between business and the educational sector. I think it's there in, mm-hmm. in bits and pieces, and, mm-hmm. but we're talking, you know, millions right. of students here. Right. So I think, you know, having the model that, you know, a lot of times in business we talk about doing a public-private partnerships, mm-hmm. right, that that's a way that you mm-hmm. can bring different views together, different projects together. I think we should use that same type of model on Mm -hmm. something like this. Let's bring education and business together in a way that hasn't been done before. Or if there are models out there, you know, I can tell you that at the chamber, we do have certain relationships with community colleges that are tied to specific businesses, specific industries, Mm -hmm. uh, healthcare being one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we take that model and scale it? One of the studies that we did was called a Crossroads Report, and it really kind of basically gave a SWOT analysis of our of our market share and our community colleges, and what you know what are opportunities and threats. And I share this with you because it really talked about professional development mm-hmm. as a, as a bridging gap. It talked about 
us getting into the employer's workplace, not waiting for the employer to come to us. And yes, we engage the employer to come on to campus and really influence curricula, but it was really about us being in their arena and studying high-performing companies that have really are making are really moving the mark here. Do you think that that's feasible from a community college's perspective, and then from a business perspective? Our business, do they even care? Do business owners even care to be a part of that movement, part of this shift of solving this problem? From a community college perspective, I think we have to learn a different language. Yes, we absolutely have to learn a different language. I've spent a lot of time working with entrepreneurs through, you know, the, the small business development center programs and the Goldman Sachs Ten Thousand Small Businesses program, and all of those entrepreneurs have workforce needs. Just like the big corporations, yep. right? And and this is a fastest job creation, you know, sector for for our uh, economy. Mm-hmm. And also, small businesses are a big chunk of our businesses out there. And I I think I'm I'm biased in some ways. Emil, you're talking about models, right? Brad Feld, who wrote uh, Startup Communities a number of years ago, and if you look at the entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem and building that ecosystem, it's about being very inclusive, and it's about paying it forward. It's about everybody coming together, and whoever wants to contribute are allowed, you know, at the table to contribute, and it's it's about just having a different mindset from what we're used to because it teaches, it's also a mindset that's very useful for our students, the entrepreneur mindset, mm-hmm. all of the, right. the soft skills that employers want, right? right. Uh, to, to have an employer's, uh, employees, if you cross, if you sort of crosswalk that with the traits of entrepreneurs, a lot of them are very, very similar. Yes. And so how do we blend these experiences and these conversations and how do we invite our entrepreneurs into our colleges to help us solve these problems because entrepreneurs love to solve problems right they're very good at solving problems Mm -hmm. and how do we challenge ourselves and figure out how we can solve problems differently and that's really at the core of it is our students right it's imperative for me because of the the market share problem right marty and i worry about Will our colleges become irrelevant? And I think I look at all these large large corporations when they start their own universities or they partner with with educational institutions. It's not our community colleges; it's private universities, and that makes me mad. Uh (laughs) It's like, why is that? (laughs) How do we change that? Why aren't they coming to us? Yes, you know. So, so I ask the question of how do we show be very clear about showing our value to the business community. We have incredible value to offer. How do we do that? And it it may include learning how to speak their language and understand their language and be multilingual. Would you also say it's making it easier for them to engage? Sometimes I feel like we, there's so many different areas where an employer doesn't even know where to start the conversation Right. Yeah. I I mean, I would say that, you know, from a business community standpoint, I think there is a lot of conversation around this topic that the community colleges are serving up. You know, you're serving up the labor, right? Their future workforce, whether it's in a year or two, you know, five years. So there there is a tremendous amount of focus on that. I think you will find, you know, large organizations who, you know, maybe don't see where 
or, or maybe they see a gap and they try to fill it themselves, right? right. By trying to create their right. own programs within their own organizations. I know the airport does that. I know that Metro mm-hmm. does that. But it doesn't mean that they're doing that, you know, excluding community. And community to me also means the community college systems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there was something that we could do to strengthen that relationship, I think businesses are very open to that. And I think that the value of a community college is recognized. And maybe what's not being done is we don't have a good mechanism for there to be a connection. Or maybe like what you said, maybe making it easy uh, to do that. You know, I'm a big believer in the community college Mm -hmm. system, Mm -hmm. and I would be the first one to say, how can we help at the chamber to make sure that those those connections are happening? Taking sort of a play, something from the business playbook is, you know, the whole customer service issue. Yes. How do we do our own flavor of customer service, right? Um, ultimately, our students are our customers mm-hmm. because we're trying to put them in jobs mm-hmm. in the companies. So in some ways, indirectly, the companies are customers, but really it's our students, you know? Mm-hmm. How do we... How do we have build these partnerships that really benefit our students that can give them the work-based learning, you know, experience that they need and, and building these networks, right? Ultimately, it's about these networks, and these networks have to be at scale because it can't just be a few students benefiting from internships. It has to be all students being able to experience you know, the, the hands-on learning right. to be able to choose and make sure that they're in the right careers that they would be interested in, in continuing, you know, in their lifetime. Oh, do we have a question out in the audience? Oftentimes with community colleges, if I call you, um, I have to wait. I mean, because of cutbacks, there's a lot of ingredients that fall into this category, but we have cutbacks. So when I call you on the phone, then I get transferred to her, and then to her, and I don't get the results that I want instantly because customer service will always be customer service. So everything is competitive now. So with that being said, it's going to be more challenging. And I think that perhaps maybe we could work with small businesses or whatever and do internships with that, you know, with the community in order for us to keep, because a lot of companies are doing that. It's Nestle's University, Sharon University, whatever. And then they get write-offs too, so it's very competitive. And so, but like Ms. Weber's value. That's it. We got to get to the value and stick to that, though. And thanks a lot, ladies. I I really appreciate what you're saying. Thank you. Question back there? Question that I have, both for Maria and Chenille, is, so you raised the question of how we can basically connect community colleges with industry, and I guess that's also the goal of Chamber of Commerce, as you mentioned at the beginning of your remarks, that you would like to provide for industry, the workforce that they need. So what initiative or what processes are, are there already in place answer to that need, or is it an unmet need that you are trying to figure out to basically make this bridge to close this gap? Let me give you an example. Just this past uh, Friday, I visited SpaceX. So I guess that's part of the Silicon Beach here. 
it was interesting to me when we visited the uh, machining part of Space X, they were doing composite machining. And that's the skill that is not taught by several community colleges in this area, not taught, okay. So apparently there is a need by SpaceX or similarly in other industries, whether it is green energy or 3D printing or whatever. So there is this need that they want and SpaceX mentioned that they need around 170 machinists capable of composite machining there. So this is an unanswered need, unmet need. So what your organizations, chancellor's office and chamber of commerce do to basically convey this need from the industry to the community colleges to have the curricula that responds to this need. And I guess from the chamber's perspective, I mean, there's a slew of things going on. One is we have a whole center dedicated to education and workforce, and there's several initiatives going on there. You know, healthcare is probably the best example in connecting specifically with programs at community colleges that lead to internships and that allow us to connect with our members in that industry sector. That's one avenue. The whole tech talent pipeline, that is about the, you know, the whole tech industry and how do we tap into the community college students to make sure that they're part of that pipeline of those growing jobs. My want would be to be able to scale programs like that. Back to what we were talking about, what is a model that we have that is proven, that has worked, and how, do, how can we scale that? Because there are gaps. And to be able to then provide information to businesses that they know you can go here and you know be part of a broader network that's definitely something that i think we could do on a bigger scale at the chamber so something like that is a great opportunity right what it takes is you know going back to what marty said about cross sector leaders to come together to solve that particular need i'm very big on earn and learn programs in the trades they call it apprenticeship that is a a model that has been successful around the world. It also is a model that really works for our students because a lot of our students can't go to school full-time, right? And they need to put food on the table. So how can we work and partner with industry to figure out, you know, there's a demand, there's a need for jobs. You know, what are they willing to put on the table? How do we craft an earn and learn model? The, The Strong Workforce Program funding was designed to allow colleges to be able to respond to this kind of employer needs. We also have apprenticeship funding that comes out that we are encouraging that using that model to apply in non-traditional industries. So like IT in healthcare, maybe even in, in teacher training, which is an earn and learn model that will hopefully be able to bring in more individuals and provide more opportunities. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you for being here. My question uh Ms. Weber, we're always talking about, you know, creating ways and that the students are our customers. How many of these students are sitting around the planning table 
when colleges are making plans for their future, looking which employers to engage. Because we seem, you know, what we do is that we uh, dictate what we think. Like, we ha I have children, and I think I know what they should be doing until they became teenagers, you know, and in college that I realized I have to take their opinion, right? So with, these, with the students, how many of these decisions or how many of these organizational ideas and planning, you know, have the students sitting around the table helping, you know, the administrations on ways to get engaged, whether with other programs or with the uh, employers? That is an excellent point. I know that in a lot of our colleges, uh, students are engaged in the planning process. And sometimes that's a challenge, right? I mean, you have students even in, uh, and sitting on and, and hiring committees for uh, faculty or, or dean positions. I know at Long Beach, we, we have that. And they're part of the planning process in, in all of those planning committees that the colleges have. So that's part of the process where, and you, we have students that are on, on the trustees, um, that sits on the board of trustees. And, and that's the student voice that's important. At the state level, we do have the uh, student uh, senate representatives, and they're beginning to realize how powerful their voice is, and they're beginning to organize, and they are asking for a seat at the table, which I think is a really, really uh, important and wonderful thing that's happening, right? The students have to also be engaged in that process, and so those are conversations that we all should be having, and we're starting. We need more of it, that's mm -hmm. for sure, and students have a lot of opinions, mm -hmm. definitely. So if you tell me today that you need something in industry. It takes me two years to get something approved through the chancellor's office and through the system that we have. And then it's gonna take me another two to five years to train my students. So we're talking about seven years down the road and that's the best scenario. So if the industry wants something today, we need, first of all, to hear that three years ago, Second of all is, how do we make this process so long? Can we make it shorter? So we need, we need this gap to be much smaller. I think that's the reason that the industry said, okay, I need 175 people over here. You guys are not going to give me this to me till four years, five years from now. I'm better off to go create it my own. So I actually have good news for you, I think, <laughs> on that point. Yay. So, you know, our community colleges, our campuses are incredibly diverse. There is a group of folks called uh, workforce development people on your campuses. I think that, the, you know, oftentimes these folks are not, they're not very visible in the college because so much of the work really is, you know, faculty driven and looking at these programs that we, we deliver on in a long-term basis. But you have these workforce development folks that actually are very responsive and they're very nimble and they work with industry, they, they design curriculum. It's not curriculum, it's really training, right? Because industry wanted it yesterday. They wanted it in, they want it in four weeks. They, they can't do the 16-week model. And so in, what I would encourage you to do is find these folks and work with them. I would take the 170 jobs that they're looking for and go work with the workforce folks and have them come up with stand-up training. They can do that in probably a couple months and working with industry side by side, designing the skills requirement. And it's really, really important for faculty to be at the table doing that process because you start with training, right? And then you begin to take that 
content and the skills requirement and turn that into your credit program because that's long-term sustainability. And with that partnership, you can really be responsive to employers. You can get training going so they feel like they're being served. In the meantime, you're working through our crazy two-year process, uh, which we're working on. We're going to streamline that. <laughs> and, and also begin to sort of build this partnership that, I, for me, what success really looks like is at the end of it, the industry is there every single semester wait, uh, waiting to hire your students. That is success, right? Sounds like we're going to be working together. Well, not a question, but just a suggestion. Yes. I worked in industry, and we identified a need and had to put together a training program. And it literally took less than a month to put together the training program and six weeks to start the execution of it. We can't do that in the community college system. Is it possible to put together a rapid reaction mechanism or team so that when he comes in and says they need 179 or 175 machinists, that that can be very quickly documented, verified with the employer, and some kind of a um, cooperative deal made. For instance, they need special machinery to train on. And say to the, the employer, okay, if you'll provide the machinery and be involved in the selection of the students, because this is a very specialized area, you know, we will go ahead and fast track the approval to get this all done and ready to go in a very short period of time. They can do that in the private colleges, and that's why they go there. But is that, is that something we could possibly do? I'm just yes. actually curious what I just talked about. Who's already doing that? I know you are. I know yes. Pasadena's doing that. I know San Diego. Yes, I know you guys yes. are doing that. You have this cracked rapid response team on your campuses. I think the secret is to find them. I, I think the challenge we have is a lot of us are, are doing the work. A lot of faculty are dedicated to doing the work. We're not good at marketing or promoting what we're actually doing. So that, that work is being done. There are workforce development entities on each campus that can respond to the need. There's been flexible funding to meet the needs. And you institutionalize it in non-credit or credit formats or leverage that way. With Wendy, we've done it in biotech, working directly with industry partners. And as you mentioned, in, even in advanced manufacturing, even though people said that's declining, we have trainings and we'll have 20 people graduate and 15 employers there to hire them. So it is being done. We don't do a good job marketing and promoting what we do. I really want Chancellor Oakley to know this because I know him. He was at Long Beach City College. I know the man. He needs to understand, and I get it, he runs a huge system, but he works from the top bottom. He needs to pull faculty together, business partners, individuals in this room, students, and let us tell him what we need. We don't need him telling us, do a pathways program, do this, without even asking us, without even calling at least me to the table. Trust me, I doesn't want me there. But what I'm saying that he needs to know, Mr. Oakley, is that he needs to continue to hear from the bottom up. The bottom up. Because we've been doing wonderful work a lot of times. And he can probably take a lot of credit for it if he allows us. So he needs to understand, and then I'll sit down after this, that call upon us to advise him instead of reverse. And I get it. He has a big system to run. 
I'm proud that he's a brown man up there, the first Latino chancellor we've ever had. That's fantastic. But he still needs to hear from us. Thank you. I, I would say, if I make my step in, I would say that um, it falls on our community colleges to really talk about our successes and talk about the work that we're doing. So yes, although we would like to your sentiments, you know, Chancellor Oakley to involve us more, but it's also our duty and our responsibility to share the successes of our community colleges at a local level and share that message up. I also should like to share that he does have, every year he does have um, a, a schedule of listening tours where he visits the community colleges and I have accompany him on one of those, and I know Marty has on one of those as well, or a couple of those, and I know that he visits at least uh, six community colleges or more every year, and it's just a continuing listening tour that he does, and I would encourage you, if you've, you know, to, to look at that schedule and go talk to him, because we, when we do these, when he does these, he, he spends an entire day at a college from morning to evening, and there's multiple sessions. We do tours, and then we have sessions with faculty, we have sessions with administrators, and we have sessions with students, and that's all he does is he's listening. So if you can participate in one of those, I would encourage you to to join that. Thank you. And you have one more question? Sure, real quick. I'm Lillian Conroe. I work with the Governor's Office of Business and Economic Development, also known as GoBiz. And working with small businesses, like Valley College says, they don't know about the workforce. I'm educating them, letting them know about these tools out there. But, and like Marty says, you got to work as partners and stop saying this is my, my, my. So my suggestion is to the, all the workforce boards, start doing open houses. You know, all these small business people are your neighbors. Do an open house, invite them in. Tell them about the workforce. I'm out there telling them about the workforce, with the tools they have, how they can help you, help you with the training, especially small businesses that are losing employees or having to steal employees in different industries. So I would like to see it. I don't know all the workforce boards. I didn't even know all, a lot of colleges even have them. Be more visible. To you know, Get out there to the small businesses. And, that, and that's my suggestion to the workforce. Like Valley College says, they don't know. I don't know unless I'm at a retention meeting or asked to come in and help save a business. So my suggestion is, is encourage your workforce to do more open houses to the small business community and educate them about the resources that you have out there. Thank you. Thank you. Very good point. So on that note, how do we continue? How do we continue the momentum? How do we continue the dialogue? Well, I love your suggestions. <laughs> I, I mean, you're talking about connections, about collaborations. I mean, I'm here representing the Los Angeles uh, Chamber of Commerce, but Bill Manis is here, who's in the San Gabriel Valley, also representing business here. And I think, you know, those are important relationships and, and connections for all of us to have. I think uh, the collaboration and moving forward in that manner is important. At the chamber, we will be launch, launching an education and job readiness committee. And in fact, the chancellor, Francisco Rodriguez, is on my committee. And, and I love when I speak to him because he says, you're my partner. <laughs> I'm like, I'm your partner too, uh -huh. because I know that we need to be connected. So those type of activities, you know, need to grow, need to, need to, you know, address a lot of these issues that we're talking about here. So I encourage you, there are lots of models out there that works. 
This is a room full of very smart people. I encourage you to try. Just test, uh, you know, test something, do something, test it, learn from it. Don't be afraid to make errors. Because if you learn, if you were to try something and you, you learn something from it, you know, this is, this is what Marty was talking about earlier in the panel. We all need to become, this is a learning institution. We all need to be learners as well. And we need to help each other learn. So if you try something and it works really well, tell me about it. If you try something that absolutely bomb, tell me about it because I want to learn from that, right? If you can save me a year's work worth of time by teaching me about a failure and why it failed, you can save me a year's worth of time from going down that road. So that's the kind of learning we have to be honest and have those conversations as well because we're... I think we only are willing to talk about our successes, but the, the failures or the things that don't work are just as important. That's right. Learning from us, for us. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us. I really, give them a round of applause, please. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear from you too. Leave us your thoughts and review, and remember to rate us. Thanks for listening.